Alright, he hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 13th day of March 2023. Happy Monday. Eh, Monday, but still. Monday, tis another week. Live to fight another day. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to it. I have the winner of the autographed book. It'll be announced at the end of the show. You'll have to tune in or wait and fast forward or whatever to that point to find out. And I'll also announce what the next autographed book in competition will be at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot locals dot com. Check it out. Don't be the only one who doesn't do it. All the cool kids are smoking. Anyway, appreciate the support. We have a lot to get to. Let's get to it. We've got a, a lot of stuff to get to. This might be a record day for audio. I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but 15 cuts, 15 cuts up there. There is a lot going on, and you sit there and you go, there's nothing super overwhelming. It, I, we're going to demonstrate why it is that, and we'll start off with this, why it is Republicans need to either be tougher or smarter. It'd be better if they were both, but tougher or smarter when it comes to dealing with the media. Everybody remembers the Trump administration when... President Trump, he had, there's a lot of conservative media out there. But he chose to call Maggie Haberman of the New York Times like they were high school friends laughing about the good old days. More often than he did give, say, interviews to the Washington Free Beacon or even really conservative talk radio. He'd go on Hannity occasionally, but you got to mix it up. The people who listen to Hannity listen to Hannity, and the people who listen to somebody else listen to somebody else. you got to kind of go do all of it. And instead of that, he went to the New York Times. Now, part of that was Donald Trump is a New Yorker at heart. He'll always be a New Yorker. And that is the hometown paper that matters. If you're in the New York, you can get in the New York Post. All you got to do is sleep with a, a supermodel back in the 80s, and they'll write you up. But the New York Times was a little bit different. You had to do something to get into the New York Times. This is I'm speaking about the past, not so much anymore. Now you just the you know, Republican smear rag is what that is. But at the time in Donald Trump's formative years, the New York Times was the cat's meow. And so it's hard to shake that. If you think about what say the Baltimore Sun was when you were growing up or the St. Louis Post-Dispatch was the Los Angeles Times for me it was the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press were two newspapers when I was a real young kid and we subscribed to the Free Press mostly because the Free Press came in the morning Two. One, the free press came in the morning, the Detroit News came in the afternoon, and my dad wanted to read the paper before he went to work. He went to work at like, he got out at three, so I guess he got in at five or six or something like that. But he wanted to have the paper there so he could read it while he drank his coffee and whatever he had for probably a bowl of cereal. We went through a lot of cereal. But uh, it wasn't a great paper. 
it was a it was the better paper for me as a kid because that was the paper I would read. You want to talk about nerd growing up? I would read the newspaper growing up, but I wouldn't read the newspaper. I wasn't reading news stories when I was seven, eight years old. The Detroit Free Press had the better comic strips. That was my main concern. They also had the better sports section. I'd read the box scores for baseball because I was obsessed with baseball and baseball cards. And then I would read the comic strips. And what the Free Press had over the Detroit News was the Free Press had Calvin and Hobbes. Every, all the, they had the better comics in general. I don't even remember what the Detroit News had. But it was all about Calvin and Hobbes for me. Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin and Hobbes. So that was why I read the Free Press. Probably, and then I'd watch. You know, we had a we had this little high chair. It wasn't a high chair, high chair, but it was a it was a chair with like you flip down these two steps up to it. Very nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies. It was metal with covered with vinyl and yellow and uncomfortable. And I think there was like a a little bench. It was like an airline seat. You could slap up and have this bench. But I'd sit in this chair and watch TV, and we literally it was maybe three inches by three inches black and white TV sitting on the kitchen counter that my mom would watch. And, of course, it was just broadcast. We didn't have cable at the time because cable was for rich people. And I'd watch TV. I'd watch my cartoons and I'd eat my my cereal. God, it was different times. Now my kids, like if they don't have their iPad with them while they go to the bathroom, it's they're ready to call Child Protective Services. Anyway. The impression of the of your youth lasts. The music I grew up on, the music I listened to in high school, and shortly thereafter when I started going to clubs is the music of my life. Everything beforehand was good. Everything since sucks. That's just kind of how, how it works no matter when you're born. And although scientifically I think it's proven that music today really sucks. Once they started with all the sampling, oversampling, and computer-generated things. If you could sit down at a, at a MacBook and make it yourself, it, it technically isn't really music. Beside the point, and there's no singing anymore. Beside the point, when the media that you consume, Tom Brokaw will be the news for me, even though I know he's a hack. He was the guy I watched when I was a young kid when I watched the news. And I watched the news a lot when I was a kid. So it's hard to get those impressions out of your head, which is why Donald Trump called in to Maggie Haberman at the New York Times, not because he had any love of Maggie Haberman, but because the New York Times was the news outlet and Maggie Haberman was the reporter at the moment at the news outlet. When it comes to cable news, it's different. When it comes to cable news, there are Three choices. There are more than three choices, but only three choices that anybody really watches with any regularity and any kind of numbers. And so you sit there and you go, well, we've got to deal with these people. But you don't really have to deal with these people, not on their terms anyway. If you do so on their terms, you, you won't win. You won't win. You can't win. The best you can hope for is maybe a tie. I suppose there's some virtue in a tie in the, under those circumstances. However, you shouldn't go into a situation playing for a tie, not without there being a specific emergency. Now, what the hell am I talking about? Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, 
seen as a rising star. It's kind of funny. They're they're toying with the idea of him running for president. Some people are, I assume it's his people behind it, floating the idea that he might run for president next year. I don't believe that. He'll have been governor for two years. He will have done really nothing in that time, not anything of, of note, Not certainly not enough to justify a run for president, maybe a run for vice president. Maybe, but he doesn't have, you don't have to run for president to be tapped for vice president. Like Pence didn't run for president. He was tapped for vice president. Um, Dick Cheney didn't want to run for anything. and He was tapped for vice president. So you don't need to, at least on the Republican side, do that. He went on CNN to sort of raise his profile. He also went on CNN in part because you want to be seen as the puffed out chest guy who's not afraid to go on CNN. Who's not afraid. Oh, look, I'll go on Morning Joe. I'm not afraid of those guys. And then you spend 20 minutes having tomatoes thrown at you and people kick you in the groin. And you're like, all right, well, I survived. Well, surviving isn't enough. Surviving isn't enough. There is a way to go into these places with sharp elbows and a sharp tongue. And coming out looking better than you did when you come in, actually winning, not surviving, uh, takes something that very few Republican candidates, very few Republican politicians have, something that Donald Trump has in spades, something I would say that Ron DeSantis has, and uh, Ted Cruz has grown. <laughs> grown. You can figure out what it really is, but I'll say that it's uh, intestinal fortitude, content in the underpants, in the front of the underpants, not post-digested food in the back of the underpants, expelled out of fear. That's what it takes. And Glenn Youngkin, for as nice a guy as he seems, and he's he probably is a decent guy, but never, look, anybody, any politician who seems like an aw shucks, really nice kind of guy, like, wow, they're just really, they're not. They're not. That's an image. You don't get anywhere in politics having just fallen off a turnip truck and going, oh, geez, I don't know. I'm a babe in the woods. This is all news to me. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. You, I've been around these people. They're like, oh, the salt of the earth. He's just like me. He's just like him. When you get the door closed and there's staff and something goes wrong or something isn't exactly the way they want, they will turn into... Not good. They'll be like Christian Bale on the set of Terminator 7 or whatever the hell it was, and he starts yelling at everybody. They have their demands. They recognize that when they're in public, they have to present an image. They're hell-bent on presenting that image, and when something goes against that image, they absolutely freak out. They absolutely freak out. Not Republican, not Democrat. Politicians in general. Some people are really nice, but not very many, especially the ones who make an extra effort to come across as really super nice. You could you could sense it. You're not stupid. You get that feeling where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. And they're looking at their staff out of the corner of my eye, or their eye, and they recognize that the staff is probably going to be stabbed in the elevator on the way back to the office. Anyway, Glenn Youngkin wants to present or at least remain viable as an option for vice president. I think he understands that he's not going to be president, at least not yet. So he decided to do a town hall on CNN, on education. Why? Because he thought he could handle it. And he handled it, I suppose, 
to the best that he could, but he didn't handle it the best that it could have been handled. So just for fun, I have some of the questions that Glenn Youngkin was asked to show you just how ridiculously biased CNN is in the selection of their participants. They, they fill a room. Here's 50 people. All your all Republicans, Democrats, independents, they have different questions. And then the real bias doesn't come in in who they select to enter the room. The real bias comes in in who they select to ask the questions. And the lies come in when they come in and ask the question. You're dealing with a Republican governor. And uh, they say, well, this is a Republican who has a question for you. And then it's straight out of the DNC talking points. Like, why? You realize these people watch CNN. They don't really vote Republican. They recognize that they have to lie in order to get on there. By the way, the biggest problem for Glenn Youngkin is a big problem for Virginia. It's wildly stupid. You can have one term as governor. One term as governor. So when you're governor, you have really no accountability. Nothing. You're term limited to get out the next election. So there's no keeping in line. There's no fear. Democrats go crazy and try and do all their crazy things. Republicans, I don't know, seem to position themselves to want to be loved by national Democrats and maybe run for the Senate or president. But it's a problem. You shouldn't. I'm all for term limits. But one term is a little bit ridiculous because then there's no accountability and no concern or fear of retribution from voters. Anyway, I want to play you the uh, questions, some of the questions from Town Hall last night. First is a Virginia teacher. She's named uh, Michelle Wingfield. She's supposedly a teacher. She, well, she's supposedly a Republican. And her question is, why don't you pay me more money? Why aren't I making more money? It's kind of funny. Now, I'll, I'll, Glenn Youngkin's answer doesn't matter. It was a political answer. I'll give you what the answer should have been. Michelle Wingfield, a high school language arts teacher from North Chesterfield. She's a Republican. Michelle. If education is supposed to be such a high priority in Virginia, why are teachers, which, as you know, are so hard to come by right now, so underpaid? As a newly single mother, I can barely afford rent on my salary, even with this being my seventh year teaching. Um, <laughs> pay me, give me a raise. My marriage broke up. I can't afford my apartment. It's your responsibility to spend more money. Well, here's a good answer, Michelle Wingfield. Well, you know, after seven years, you know that the teachers unions dictate pay, right? Based on length of service. If you were the greatest teacher in your school district, if you were the greatest teacher in the state, I couldn't give you a raise. You couldn't get a raise. You can't earn a raise. Your salary is pegged to your time served because teachers unions that you have to be a member of in order to do your job, thanks to state law, you have to, uh, you have to take less pay so that bad teachers can be protected, right? That's it, teachers who can't do the job. Teachers who don't, if you're the best teacher in the state, the worst teacher in the state who's been there for seven years, they'll also get the same amount of pay as you. Is that fair? Is that right? Because that's what happens when you put teachers unions in charge. You, maybe you should earn more money, 
I don't know. I don't know your certain situation, but I know that I cannot dictate pay to every teacher across the state based on your scenario. That would be ridiculous. I do know that if you were a good enough teacher and we had merit pay, that you would be paid much better, and I would support that concept. But if you want to take up... uh, with whom to have an issue over that. It is not in Richmond. It is not with the state government. It is, in fact, with your teachers union. That would be a good answer. Glenn Youngkin didn't do that. He gave a political. I don't know that he was prepared for what he was walking into, but I'm just telling you my answer be decried by the left is heartless. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? How dare he? And what a monster and everything. And I would just say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes the truth is bad. And tell me where I was wrong. Tell me where I was wrong. The Democrats won't. They no longer address issues. They simply declare something to be beyond the pale, refuse to address it, and then go on as though there are no contrary opinions to their own. That's what you get when you walk into the buzzsaw that is CNN. So then we come to the next question. The price of it, since it was, you know, you're going to say, well, there's a lot of questions from teachers. and There are. This was a town hall on education, allegedly. And what's amazing is this, uh, these audience members were supposedly, some of them were Republicans, some of them were former Republicans. And then you sit there and you go, what? When you hear this woman's question later on, you go, how how does this woman ever have been a Republican? How does a Republican come up with this sort of garbage? But... It is all the left-wing agenda. That's all that was asked in CNN, which is why I think it was a mistake. Look, Glenn Youngkin can do a town hall. Glenn Youngkin should ask if town hall, if he wants to do a town hall on CNN, I don't think Fox is going to be interested. Fox, just they don't do these sorts of things. Um, not unless somebody's already announced or really seriously considering running for president. But CNN does these sort CNN needs these gimmick things. They got a nine o'clock hour that they don't have a host for, and they've decided our best move is to not hire a host for this nine o'clock hour in prime time because nobody watches us anyway. Why spend the money? It's a good business decision. It's a bad overall business decision, but for the bottom line, <coughs> excuse me, it is a, a good business decision in the short term anyway. So if you put together a town hall and open it up to just random people, you get better questions than what CNN gives you if they filter it. So you say, hey, CNN, we're doing a town hall here. We're opening it up to everybody. We'd like you to come along and and sort of host it and keep them out of the selection process, both in the selection of the attendees and the selection of the questioners. You'd be much better off. But instead, you go and look, politicians are attention whores. It's just... They're they're just this side of Kardashians. Most of them don't have a sex tape, although some of them probably do. Ugh. But they are Kardashians. If there is a crowd, they will show up. Politicians, the biggest joke about politicians is they're looking for a an existing parade to get out in front of and claim to be leading. That's what they do. You should just, I don't know, throw your own parade. The world would be better off. Your life would be better off. And your political career would be better off. That being said, the next question comes from a social studies teacher, a guy named Brock Barnes. Brock Barnes. Doesn't that sound like a 
daytime, they don't even have daytime soaps anymore, but a daytime soap opera store. Hey, where's Brock Barnes? It also sounds like a, a porn name. You know, Dirk Diggler and Brock Barnes in whatever. He asked, listen to this loaded question about critical race theory. There's a diff- I'll explain what the difference is. I'll give you the answer of what Glenn Youngkin... See, the answers that Glenn Youngkin gave were the safe answers. This is why I think Glenn Youngkin isn't ready for prime time. They're the safe answers. You could see Jeb Bush giving these answers. You could see Mitt Romney giving these answers. You could see Larry Hogan giving these answers. And you go, well... Why would I vote for the light version of Democrat when I could just go for the the real version of Democrat? You know, go for why would I vote for New Coke when Coca Cola Classic sitting right there? So here's Brock Barnes from Brock Barnes. Brock Barnes, a social studies teacher in Augusta County, Virginia, who's an independent. Brock. In recent years, there has been a lot of debate regarding the teaching of CRT in public schools. As a social studies teacher, I find it imperative to teach history through facts and the perspectives of the people involved in a historical event. Governor Yunkin, what is your view on the difference between teaching CRT in the classroom and the teaching of historical injustices such as slavery and segregation and the impact it has had on Americans? <laughs> Brock Barr sounds like a rock-ribbed conservative, doesn't he? Um, what's the difference? I I want to remember not that long ago. What was it? About thirty minutes ago, Democrats all over the place, including CNN, were going. Nobody's teaching CRT in schools. Critical race theory? Are you kidding me? Critical race theory? That's insane. Critical race theory is an obscure thing that is taught only in colleges, only really in law school. Anybody saying these sorts of things, it's ridiculous. Why would anybody ever say that they're teaching CRT in school? Nobody's ever saying they were teaching critical race theory in particular. They were employing the teachings of critical race theory, by the way, which is that you are a perp perpetrator of injustice and a beneficiary of injustice if you are white and you are a victim forever and can't get ahead if you're off-white unless you're asian or indian then you're you're basically white but that's beside the point and hispanic to a large point it's just black people somehow it's just oppression 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 and then some liberal hispanics it's wildly destructive but it's weird how in the past year they've gone from nobody's using this in school to and see what the big deal is with using this in school. Nobody's talking about this. This is an advanced philosophy taught in law schools, not elementary schools, too. So we're using it in elementary schools, and I feel that it's important to talk about to talk about historical wrongs. What's the difference between that and historical wrongs? Well, the difference is one is history, and one is telling you that you're trapped forever by history. You're trapped forever by history. That's what critical race theory is telling you. It must destroy the system because otherwise, if you're black, you're never going to get ahead. Why? Because 500 years ago, your ancestors may have been, probably not actually, but may have been slaves. 
There's a pretty good possibility that your ancestors 500 years ago were involved in the slave trade, you know, capturing other black Africans and selling them into slavery. But, you know, whatever. We'll put that aside. We'll pretend that that didn't happen. We'll just, just like we pretend that Kamala Harris's ancestors were not some of the biggest slave traders and slave owners in all of the Caribbean. We'll just ignore that when it comes time to writing the reparations checks because she's victimhood or something like She's been oppressed all the way to the vice presidency it's horrible horrible situation now you know there is a bit of oppression being joe biden's vice president but still beside the point that would be the answer there's a difference what you're doing here in your teaching of history your teaching of social studies brock barnes is you're not actually teaching teaching is here's what happened teaching history here's what happened indoctrinating is here's what they did then it's still impact now you're still a victim you probably don't even know it but you can't get it you can't escape it you're in trouble that's critical race theory versus the teaching of history and an honest resuscitation of history would include the fact that the concept of slavery was started in africa or the cradle of civilization. It's funny. The left always goes, all life began in Africa. It's, they're way better than us over there. The African continent is the cradle of life. I'm like, yeah, but then also, like, right after life came out of the primordial ooze or God snapped it into existence, whatever, there's slavery kind of started, right? How do you think the pyramids, I mean, all of recorded history, now maybe running around living in caves. 20,000 years ago, a little bit different, but at some point, once semblance of civilization began to emerge, slavery followed it. Those people, I would say, Jesus, Jesus was a black man, right? And there was slavery prevalent amongst everybody in the time of Jesus. Slavery was all over the place. If Jesus was a black man, then the slaves were black people and the slave owners were black people. (gasps) Stop thinking logically. How does that help Democrats? Yeah, it's weird. If you just think logically, this is why they are so opposed to the concept of logic and why they are committed to the bastardization of logic through critical race theory. If you just think rationally and logically, everything they do falls apart like dominoes, just falls down like a house of cards in a wind factory. So my answer would be, uh, you can teach about history accurately. Critical race theory doesn't teach about history accurately. Critical race theory teaches about history very selectively in the victim-perpetrator model, but does not paint the entire picture of who was in charge of the slave trade in Africa. It wasn't boatloads of white guys running into the middle of the continent and kidnapping people. It was tribes selling members of other tribes. Those tribes had been enslaving each other for centuries. They had been warring with each other for centuries. The left, the way they portray history, is everything was great until white people showed up. Everything was great until white people showed up. It's a get out of responsibility free card for anybody who's not white. And it's a shut up. Don't you dare express your opinion uh, threat against anybody who is. Neither is good. Both are bad. Uh, that's, that's why you failed. No, it's not, not because you didn't attend school. 
Not because not because the teachers and the teachers unions and the school board and the administrators and everything had no expectations of you whatsoever. Not because 23 schools in Baltimore, you can't do basic math, even though everybody carries around a phone with a basic calculator. Phone. You can't do that. You can't do that. Any of that. That's the legacy of slavery. Maybe it's the legacy of the teachers unions. Maybe it's the legacy of the Democratic Party. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Because hmm? one sets the policy of now, and the other is a part of ancient history. Although, weirdly, the party in charge of these areas is also the party in charge of slavery and the party who fought to defend slavery and the party of Jim Crow, the creators of Jim Crow and all that. It's just weird. <clears throat> You can see, again, why the left does not want an accurate recounting of history taught in our schools. Next comes a question from a Democrat named Tyron Barnes. This is just a plain old stupid question. There's a basic answer to it. Governor Yunkin, do you agree that there is an unspoken culture of racism and implicit bias against teachers of color within school districts nationwide? <laughs> unspoken culture of... No, I don't. No, I don't. But if you go into it with that attitude, you're always going to find something that you can blame on uh, something else, something externally. I didn't get this job because of the color of my skin. Maybe you weren't ready for it. Maybe you were a horrible, bad interviewee. Maybe you just weren't qualified. Maybe there's somebody more qualified than you. But no, unspoken, winking and nod. Here comes Whitey down the hall with another white guy coming the other way. The knowing wink going, hey, we know the truth, right? By the way, the last question ties into this question from Brock Barnes. Ties into this question because it's pretty clear that Tyron Barnes, different, no relation, I don't assume, um, is the end result of what Brock Barnes would love to teach. There's your CRT in action. Hey, you know, maybe you're crappy at your job. You ever think of that? <clears throat> no, 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 no. It's not because I'm crummy at my just It's because of the inherent racism nationwide against teachers of color really you can't teach kids math because racism how's that how is racism in your classroom how's racism in your class <laughs> shut up racist then we come to uh it's guinevere k i believe is the name if i remember correctly She's supposedly a former Republican. Now, you can see why she's, if she was, in fact, a Republican ever, you can see why she is a former Republican in her question. I don't want to give too much away. We'll listen to her first. Uh, Governor, I want you to meet Guinevere Kay. She's a nurse practitioner and a mother of two girls from McLean, Virginia. She's a lifelong Republican who recently became a Democrat. Ms. Kay. School-wide testing was very revealing in that lower math and reading scores were affected by the COVID shutdown. The whole world was behind on reading and math. Why aren't we providing free, on-site, after-school tutoring to every kid who needs it automatically? Why not recruit retired teachers or retired anyone to provide this much-needed service? <laughs> 
Yeah, she's a former Republican. Now, McLean, Virginia is its a blue area. Northern Virginia is all blue. It's wildly wealthy. It's wildly wealthy. And she's saying, why don't you, Greg, why don't we give this for free? You say you're a former Republican. What were you a Republican? Why were you ever a Republican? If you think that you can just wave a magic wand and create, here's uh, here's 10,000 new people for well, free. We'll give them free they probably she probably thinks education is free but the real problem with guinevere k is government has failed our children in education what we need is more government in our education yes the eight hours a day or six hours a day or whatever the hell it is six i think seven or eight hours a day that kids are in school is not enough they're not learning they're falling behind what we need is more hours so how about after school we get them. Why don't we? Do, well, first of all, that costs money. I hate to break it to you. you. Why not get teachers and retired teachers? Hey, retired teachers. You know any retired teacher who broke the tape at the end of the run? And, oh, I get to retire. Now, now what I really want to do in retirement is go back to teaching. Probably some, but not that many. Why not? Here's a better idea, you former Republican Guinevere Kay. Why don't you demand accountability from the teachers that exist? That's a, a novel idea. It's a crazy idea. But you've got teachers already doing these jobs, and you're paying them to do these jobs. And they're not doing these jobs, right? Now, granted, COVID screwed things up, but it was the teachers' union that kept kids out of school for as long as kids were kept out of school in the Democrat states, which Virginia was at the time, where kids were kept out of school. It was the teachers' unions. The teachers' union leadership is elected and supported financially by the teachers' union membership. Therefore, it is the responsibility of the teachers' union members for that. Why not then hold them accountable? Why not say, okay, we really screwed up these last couple of years. You people need to step up your game going forward to make up the difference. How about that, Guinevere K? But no, her response, as a former Republican, you can see why she's former, get the hell out, you probably stayed too long, is why don't we have more government involved? Why don't we... How about instead of the public schools that exist as they are, how about we add two more hours of public schools with a whole new set of teachers? But these will be retired teachers and pretty much anybody who wants to do that. And then we'll unionize them back into the NEA and the AFT and it'll be wonderful. It'll be great. It's a way to backdoor more teachers union members. You've got to pay them, of course, because otherwise, what do you volunteer? Democrats won't trust volunteers. Democrats won't trust volunteers. They're not union dues-paying members. Everything these people talk... I mean, I don't know. She's a nurse practitioner, so she must know what she's doing in that field. But she's pretty damn stupid when it comes to common sense and education. Honestly. Basic. My five-year-old would look at this and go, hey, why do you want more of what isn't working? Why do you want more of what failed? We're just bringing different people to do the same sort of thing. Well, wait a second. Aren't you paying teachers to teach kids how to read and write? Aren't you paying teachers to teach kids how to do math already? Maybe, just maybe, demand some accountability from those people. They're not doing their jobs. They're doing a pretty crappy job, as a matter of fact. Why not demand some accountability? 
Never once does that occur. No accountability whatsoever came up at all during the town hall, by the way, because this is CNN. Next comes, uh, now this is, uh, this tells you that CNN is calling their audience uh, for these town halls. This guy is an alleged teacher who wants to get rid of the Pledge of Allegiance. Why? Because, why not? Thank you for being here, Governor. Um, in our school and in other Virginia schools, we say the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of each day. Yet, we cannot require the students to say the pledge, to stand, to pay attention, or to do anything except stop walking and be quiet. The people actually saying the pledge are most teachers and a few students. So why not eliminate the requirement to say the pledge in Virginia schools? Imagine you have a chance to ask the governor a question. You know, that's what you do. Why, why don't we eliminate this 30-second thing that, you know, is, is a good thing in general and stills some bit of patriotism in this country? Just a little bit. Because nobody's doing Well, you know what? Teacher? Murder is illegal in this country. But still, you know, a lot of people murder. A lot of people murder. A lot of people do horrible things. Violence, attacking people in the streets. Still, people do it anyway. Why don't we just eliminate that? Why don't we just eliminate that? It's just so dumb. It's just so dumb. Part of the problem, that, and part of the reason why, I mean, granted, it's probably from Northern Virginia, but part of the reason why no kids are paying attention, nobody's really reciting this, nobody gives a damn about this, the, the, the Pledge of Allegiance in these schools is because of the teachers in those schools essentially being bored in indoctrinated communists. Uh, so... Yeah, maybe point that out. Maybe you don't give up because there are a bunch of jerks in your profession, unless, of course, you're one of the jerks in your profession and you want to get rid of it because it makes your skin crawl, the very concept. That's probably, I don't know, if I had to guess, that might be what I'd see at stake here or what the issue is for this teacher. Why don't we just get rid of it? Why don't we just get rid of laws for murder? People break them anyway. I mean, come on, what's the point, right? Because, of course, this event with Governor Yunkin was on CNN, they had to bring out a trans, boy, I guess it's a trans, a trans boy. If you're in high school, you're still a boy, If you're pretending, even if you're pretending to be a boy. You're a, a tr girl or a boy in high school. I don't, no, young men, young women, they, uh, take it up with your parents. I'm not your parent. So they brought out a... Uh, a trans kid, and again, Youngkin kind of fell into the, well, we got a him and we got a haw kind of answer. It's a very simple answer to this question, but uh, listen to the question yourself. Uh, Governor Youngkin, your transgender model policies require that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? The answer should have been, yes, I do, because you're a girl. You know, you can, whatever you think you are, and you're, you're a girl, okay? You're a girl. Now, if you like girls, so what? There are plenty of lesbians in the world. People have to deal with that, but you're a girl, okay? The real question, why do you feel comfortable changing in front of boys and also what about the boys who don't feel comfortable changing in front of you the one thing you notice about this trans debate is that it is all a one-way street 
everybody must bow to the wills of the weird. I don't mean weird in a bad way. I was a weird kid when I was young. Still, a lot of people would say I'm pretty weird. Don't care. But the anomaly here, the abnormal, and look it up. I'm not doing it as like, I'm using the word abnormal because it is the appropriate word. There's normal and there's abnormal. Not as an insult, my God. But the abnormal, you did not bow everybody down to the will of the abnormal. You do not legislate to the worst case scenario. That's how the left works. That's what they do constantly, 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 constantly. You're talking about changing Social Security to make sure it doesn't bankrupt the country and people don't go broke, but this grandmother will have to eat cat food. One person, you found a whole... Well, there are probably a bunch of other ones. Well, here's an idea. You've got billions of dollars on the left and all sorts of charitable organizations. How about... And food banks and everything. How about we sort of step up and help them? We don't say, well, all right then. It's like the uh, Titanic steaming towards the iceberg. And somebody says, we need to swerve away from the iceberg. And uh, then the captain gets together with the, the crew and says, well, you know, if we swerve away from the iceberg, there are some Eskimos on board that might feel as though they're being excluded. They like ice. They live in very cold areas. If we, if we swerve away from that iceberg like it is, you know, a steaming pile of dog excrement on our bed, we might make them feel bad. Yeah, but... You know, we'll we could sink other. Yeah, but you know what? We might feel they might feel bad. So what we're going to do is we're going to ram into the iceberg, so as to not alienate the four people on board who might you know be offended. Like that uh, doesn't make any sense. That's liberal logic. Oh, we've got to uproot everything and make everybody else uncomfortable for the one kid in school who is an attention seeker who demands the attention because nobody's just going about their business. It's just going about their business. It is, I am this, pay attention to me. I am trans, hear me roar. In numbers, too small to find in most schools, but we must therefore set the policies according to my wishes. What about my fragile psyche? Well, how about we work on your fragile psyche? Because your fragile psyche is going to follow you throughout your entire life, and it's always going to be fragile, and it's going to be bigger. And the, you know, A small pane of glass that's very fragile is pretty easy to break, but a big pane of glass that's really fragile will almost break in the wind. Maybe we should work on, I don't know, toughening you up, making you a little bit thicker skinned rather than stretching you out and imposing on everybody else because if there's one sure way to uh, lose friends and alienate people it's to force them to bow to your whims so the real issue is we need to deal with your issues if you're sitting there i want to play you this audio from um where did i cut that up yeah this crazy woman she's sitting in a car Talking, she doesn't know this is a Libs of TikTok video. She's sitting in a car talking about her gender identity. And she doesn't seem to have a clue about it either. And this exemplifies so much of the left. Well, I saw a special on uh, 
preteen trans moms on MTV, and therefore I am this. I saw a TikTok video where somebody was demanding that everybody respect their pronouns, and they were just making them up. And so I feel that way too. Instead of just telling these people to shut the hell up, maybe deal with your problems, deal with your issues. Your parents didn't love you enough. Your parents love you too much. You think too much of yourself. You've been indulged far too much, whatever. It is, um, it is the sense of entitlement and the indulgence of that entitlement that is really going to screw over this country. So listen to this crazy woman in her car Basically saying she has no idea what her pronouns are. She she declares herself to be certain things and have different pronouns, but then she contradicts herself constantly because they don't all they know is they want attention and they like the attention they're getting. That's it. That's what this is all about. The thing that's complicated about my whole like gender situation, and I feel like there are other non-binary people who deal with this too, is the fact that the way I understand my gender and the way that I want other people to understand my gender are two wildly different things. Because I and certain people that I've talked to about this understand the nuances and complicated relationships that I have with womanhood. So those are included when we think of me as a woman or say she, her. Like those weird relationships are still understood, but almost everyone else, they don't have that. So they don't get to call me those things. To almost everyone else in real life, I am not a woman and I use they, them. But then because I will call myself a woman or use she, her, understanding the nuances of it all, I feel guilty when I feel bad about getting misgendered by people who should be using they them and not thinking of me as a woman. I mean, they're not wrong, except they don't know they're not wrong. They've been told I'm non-binary and I use they them. So why are they still thinking of me as a woman? Are you listening to these people? They have no freaking idea what they're talking. I feel I when I, people call me a woman, I get upset. But then I am a woman sometimes. And then I'm not really a woman and I I understand the nuances, but I'm a woman. Hear me roar, but then ignore my numbers that I'm too big to be in, or whatever. Or whatever. I mean, come on. What are we doing? What in the hell are they talking about? They don't know. It's about you shutting up. That's what it's about. That's all it's about. It is about controlling you. These people have no freaking idea what they're upset about. They just know they're upset. They have no freaking idea what they care about. They just are sitting there saying, hey, this is how it is. This is how it should be. It's problematic. Pay attention to me. Bow down to my whims. Bow down to my whims. Why? Well, because I'm special. You're not special. You're, in fact, the opposite of special. There's nothing special about you. The more you demand to be uh, special is uh, the less special you are. And you sit there and you watch these people and you realize that if they are not, if they are not stopped, if they are not, by stopped, I mean not like beaten up or anything, but if, if somebody doesn't come to them and tell them, shut up, somebody tells them, you know, gives them that dead fish across the space, they're going to be screwed for the rest of their lives. The parents are doing a massive disservice. The schools are doing a massive disservice. Of course, the school, uh, the education system wants to do that. The school boards are communist and the teachers are communist and they realize that this upheaval is useful to them. But then you get to this story at CNBC. Resumes including they them pronouns are more likely to be overlooked, new report finds. Well, you know, no no feces, Sherlock. Do not hire anybody. Do some research. Are you going to hire somebody? Go, all right, I'm going to put their name in Google. Look at their social media 
And if they put pronouns in any of their bios anywhere at all, even if it's the right ones, avoid them like the plague. They are a bipedal victim waiting, looking desperately to be offended by something. And the older they get and the bigger failure their lives be because of the prison of their politics in which they hold themselves, the more likely they are to become from go from perpetrators or own perpetrators to plaintiffs. If you catch my drift, they're going to sue the hell out of you. Inclusivity shouldn't be present, uh, shouldn't just be present in the workplace. It should be practiced during the hiring process as well. But unfortunately, non-binary job seekers are facing clear biases in their job search. This doesn't appear to be an opinion column. This is a supposed news story. According to a new report from Business.com, a business resource platform, over 80% of non-binary people believe that identifying as non-binary would hurt their job search. And it should. You're a pain in the ass and you're going to try and make everybody else bow to your whims. Who would want you around them? Similarly, 51% believe their gender identity has affected their workplace experience, very or somewhat negatively. Ryan McGonagill, director of industry research at business.com and author of the report, says these statistics show just how much work there is to do around diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging in the workplace. Nope. It means that if you want to get a job somewhere, meaning get paid to do something, you have to do something. You have to do all of the something for your weird demands that everybody bow to your perverted, bastardized reality. There is going to be 20 people who go, ah, no, I'm not going to make demands. No, I don't give a damn. (laughs) My name's Ed. Call me Ed. All right. So if you are a high maintenance demanding leftist crybaby with a high propensity to file HR complaints that will likely lead to a frivolous lawsuit about how you've been put upon and you were fired because of blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I'm not going to let you in the door in the first place. It's pretty simple. Now, is this most people who fall into this basket? No, it isn't. But it's uh, it just takes a couple of rotten eggs to spoil the whole batch. It's what the left does. All cops are bastards. Really? There's like a tiny percentage of bad guys. All cops are. Okay. So then all liberals are crazy. Well, no, you can't say that. All trans people should not be. You can't say that. Well, well, if you can say that about cops, why can we say it about other things? Because it's different when I do it. You got to get a big dose of reality sooner or later. You can take it gradually. Or you can have a big old smack upside the head of it. I don't really care how it comes to you. I want it to come to you. I'm not going to play your game. Sorry. My self-esteem. If your self-esteem is dependent upon somebody you don't know's acceptance and embrace and celebration of your existence and your sexuality, you're headed for a bumpy road. You're going to get into serious trouble down that road. And, eh. It's not my concern. The sooner you confront that reality, the better off you'll be. But if you never do confront it and you never get better off, I don't care. I want to give you an update on, um, since we're talking about the trans issue and what have you, I want to give you an update on what is 
Well, we talked about yesterday or the other day about a um, a horrible, horrible hate crime that took place in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you weren't listening, if you didn't listen, I want to play you again the local news report on this horrible, horrible hate. Thank God we have surveillance cameras around everywhere. Thank God Big Brother exists, exists lest we not have captured this heinous, awful, I mean, just this side of the Holocaust hate crime that took place down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, right on the streets, right on in broad daylight on the streets, this heinous attack occurred. Just as a refresher, here's what happened the other day. A community hit by hate when a man leaves tire marks all over a pride flag painted on an intersection. Residents around the area speaking out in disgust. Sevens, Danielle Garcia is live in Fort Lauderdale with more on the search for that driver. Danielle, good morning. Good morning, Lorena. That mural right behind me was unveiled just about 20 days ago. Already it's been damaged and covered with skid marks. The community here is saddened, as you mentioned, but they are planning to redo it. In fact, the cleanup process has already begun. Thank God. I mean, they were fighting to recover. They were fighting to The community was saddened. They, I imagine the therapy. I, mean, I hope that there'll be reparations for the community to take care of whatever counseling or therapy bills that are going to be incurred by the community. So when it's a sad day when something on the road gets driven over. Really, really horrible situation. Well, as that community was on the road to recovery and in fact did, did paint yet again, they rose up to paint again that beautiful, beautiful weirdo mutant flag that it's, it's not the gay pride flag. It's like the progressive pride. It's just everything. It looks like somebody went through a, a Sherwin-Williams store and shook it on the street. They they wiped clean the hate attack, the burnt rubber of hate that they had there. And uh, wouldn't you know it, it happened again this time. This time it wasn't some evil hate monger in a truck. It was three hate mongers on Completely different vehicles. <laughs> what kind of vehicles? I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up, verklempt. What kind of vehicles? Well, I'll let the local news describe it. And now there's even more video. The latest incident shows a group vandalizing the mural with their bikes. One guy appears to stop and record the damage he caused. Stop it and record it. It's bikes! Now, lest you be confused and think that bikes refers to motorcycles, no, it does not. These are bicycles. These are bicyclists. These are, now who generally, these are not, you know, people in there pretending they're Lance Armstrong with two testicles riding in their, their weird, I don't understand it. Like, I'm going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to get on my whole outfit and I'm going to look like I'm training for the Tour de France, and then I'm going to go four miles an hour and coast an awful lot and take up a whole lane of traffic. This wasn't them. These were kids riding BMX bikes and riding them and then skidding their tires, slamming on their brakes and skidding. Everybody who's ever ridden a bike knows what this is. You do it, you do it all over the place. Why? Because that's what kids do. It's on the damn road. But no, because it is 
a flag of a protected class. An American flag, these journalists, so-called journalists, would be out there defecating on it themselves. And they'd have the news team van squealing out, trying to rub off as many stars as they possibly could. And God forbid, they'd, they'd probably bring paint thinner and pour it on the white parts. But because it's a progressive pride flag, oh no, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And these children need to be tracked down and pummeled, probably sent off to some sort of rehabilitation facility so that they might learn of the hatred that they have caused. (laughs) This is all, of course, caused by uh, Ron DeSantis. This is down in Florida. It's the exact same. Now, I guarantee what's going to happen with this is ultimately these weirdo mutants, I guarantee you most gay people down in Florida don't give a damn about this. Hey, you don't want it to get dirty, don't paint it on the road, all right? There you go. Problem solved. <laughs> you, you paint it on the side of a building, it's going to be pretty damn tough for somebody to drive over it. Just say it. Now, you won't, if a pigeon does its business on it, flying over it, is that also a hate crime? Is that the next step in all of this? But most people would look at this and just go, yawn. My God, get over yourselves. You'd be surprised how many gay people, while they're not conservative, some of them do have very conservative leanings, but they, they're not this left-wing wacko. It is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It is the militant wing of the alphabet mafia that demands action, demands acquiescence. And they're the ones that the media kowtows to. It's sad and pathetic. And gay people are just as likely to get attacked and canceled as straight people who refuse to bend the knee to these weirdo entitled brats. That being said, I want to play this uh, Cindy Lauper. Now, it's not often that Cindy Lauper is in the news, but with the Oscars coming up and all these horrible hate crimes, I'm sure the Oscars are going to be a nonstop beat over the head about Flor- how horrible Florida is and this is happening in Florida. It tells you how good things are in Florida for gay people if riding over on a bicycle and slamming on your brakes and putting a three-foot skid mark on a a pride flag is newsworthy. Oh my God, it's an assault on the gay community. Like this is the assault on the gay community. Congratulations. You've arrived, gay community. And, you know, be an Asian, be an elderly Asian woman walking the streets of San Francisco or New York or Oakland and you want to see what real oppression is, but that's not newsworthy because of the attackers. But uh, <laughs> Cindy Lauper was asked about all I love how these media portray the anti LGBTQRSTUVWXYTZ legislation that's being passed saying don't butcher the bodies of children. Don't permanently alter the bodies of children with hormones or drugs or anything like that, okay? Stop with this crap about trans children. Well, he's three years old, and he knew he was trans right away because he picked up a Barbie, and their left-wing parents immediately embraced them and started brainwashing the kid. And uh, the court, the uh, various states are saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. Sorry. Cindy Lauper thinks that that is, uh, it's like the Holocaust, I mean, it's Cindy Lauper. You can't expect her to be smart. If you've ever heard her talk, you know she's not smart. She might be able to, you know, do music, but 
some really dumb people have done music. Listen to Cindy Lauper talk about this. This is how Hitler started. You know, just weeding everybody out, and then finally he, you know, I don't think it's a good idea what they're doing, but, you know, you just have to keep fighting for civil rights. I guess that's the way it is in this country. Started out like that, didn't it? <laughs> you know, this is how Hitler started, and then he, you know. Yeah, uh, you know? Really? You're going to... Now, when uh, Ilhan Omar talked about 9-11 by saying, you know, some people did something. Remember, some people did something. That's that was bad enough. But when you just look at the entire Holocaust, you go, yeah, Hitler, he did. Uh, well, yeah, you know. I don't think she's doing it from a point of malice or anti-Semitism. I think she's just dumb and didn't know what she was talking about. And Hitler, bad. Hitler did bad stuff, you know. Well, what bad stuff? Well, I, I missed that that day in school. You missed you missed the Holocaust day in school. You're like seventy years old. You missed Holocaust day your entire life. Hitler, you know, and you're you're gonna equate not being able to cut body parts off of children with the Holocaust. I don't know if you're aware of what uh, was done at the Dachau prison camp where the the experiments that were done on Jews and children, you can't call them medical experiments, they were just experiments, doctor death there. Um, it's not the same thing. If you really want to make a Nazi analogy, uh, the Nazis... We're butchering the bodies of Jews. We're alive. We're just experimenting. Hey, let's put two, two twins in different rooms and we'll slowly cut this one to pieces and see if the other one feels it. That sort of thing. Let, whatever it is, let's try. Like they're getting stoned and just coming up with evil things to do and then indulging in it. You equate that to maybe we should remove the breasts before they form from this. Maybe we should perform a hysterectomy on this child or remove the penis from this child because they are a, a tomboy or they're a little bit feminine. And it's weird because so gender is a social construct. Yet whenever some a boy does something that's feminine, it's a sign of him being trans. It's, it's because he's trans. It has to be because he's trans. And then you start telling the kid he's trans, trans, trans. Has no idea what the hell you're talking about. But parents and teachers, people he's supposed to trust, supposed to look out for him, say this enough times to go, well, it must be true. I don't know what it is, but I am this. Call me Betty. But gender is a social construct. So how could a social construct then be used you know it just if you go down that rabbit hole you start thinking for yourself you become a threat to democrats once you become a threat to democrats it's game on baby it's game on no holds will be barred they're just gross people they're just gross i want to play this audio from the my god they're really that stupid file out in california i'm telling you you sit there and you, you look at California and you go, well, thank God I don't live in California. If you live in a place that's controlled by Democrats, this or some version of this is coming. Look at what happened in Virginia when it was controlled by Democrats last time. What happened? They said, oh, hey, we're going to tie our environmental laws. We're going to tie our laws to California. 
So whatever California does, we're going to do. We're going to peg our mileage standards, our emissions, all that to California. What the hell does California have to do with Virginia? Nothing. What do the people of California have to do with the people of Virginia? Nothing. But the Democrats want the control. They just don't have the the balls, quite frankly, to go, hey, we need to really um, institute this on our own. So instead of saying, hey, we want to outlaw all gas cars by 2030, what they're going to do is we're going to do whatever California says they're going to do. And then that's it. They're done. It's just like Martin O'Malley when he was governor of Maryland. He wanted to raise the minimum wage or the gas tax every year. He wanted to raise, he desperately wanted to raise the gas, Democrats wanted to raise, but it's a wildly unpopular vote. If you run for re-election and your opponent says, they voted to raise the gas tax at a time when gas prices are up, you don't really have much of a defense. So what do they do? They tied it to inflation. So they don't have to. The gas tax will go up every year automatically, and they get what they want. Higher taxes without any other responsibility, any of their direct fingerprints on it. Wes Moore, the new governor of Maryland, doing the same kind of stupid thing with the minimum wage. I want to raise the minimum wage fast. I know we passed the law, but I want it faster. I want to screw over businesses that were making plans for 2025. I want to screw them over now. And then I want to tie it to inflation so that they automatically get raises. Why? Because, you know, raising the minimum wage is wildly popular amongst a very small set of people, rich white liberals in the suburbs and people who make the minimum wage. Neither one of them is a particularly large voting block. Business owners, small business owners are the ones who get screwed. Well, they don't want to have their fingerprints all over screwing over small businesses. So they say, well, just peg it to inflation. Now, California. Listen to what they're doing out in California just to regulate everything. Well, after mass layoffs at companies like Google, Meta and Twitter, a new bill would force employers to give workers more notice before they are dismissed. The proposed bill would also extend those protections to contract workers currently excluded under state and federal law. Any company laying off more than 50 people at a time would be required to give employees 90 days notice. 90 days notice. And, you know, all right, well, then we're going to lay off 49 people today, starting at noon. And then we're going to lay off another 49 people next week. And then we're going to do, this is the way government think. oh, if we just insert ourselves into other things. How about contract? How about your contract expires? It's not renewed, right? You have a contract for a fixed period of time. You have to give 90 days that you're not going to... What if you don't want to work for the company anymore? Do you have to... Instead of two weeks notice, do you have to give 90 days notice? How about government just stay out of it? How about government mind its own... How about government... If government were really good at being government, uh, then you could talk about it going into other things. But government absolutely sucks at what it's supposed to do. They're even worse at what they're not supposed to do, but that doesn't stop them because politicians need to be doing something lest people realize they're worthless. As we get ready to wrap it up, we still got a little bit more I want to get to. Some more ground to cover. The other day there was... was I want to play you this just to demonstrate how disinterested. There was a hearing about the Twitter files up on Capitol Hill. Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger were up there testifying about the unbridled assault on the First Amendment of random Americans 
done committed by the deep state. This should be something that would bother. It used to be something that would bother Democrats. It would bother everybody that the certain branches of government, government officials, bureaucrats, permanent government employees are sitting there saying, hey, you know what? You should probably take this down. This is mis or disinformation. It's nobody's business what mis or disinformation is, but the left has always had totalitarian urges back from when they, uh, the progressives first t- took over Moscow through their takeover of Berlin, through their takeover of Beijing, Havana, you name it. They have always demanded and done so and needed the control of information to keep their boot on the necks of the people. No different in this country, except we had the First Amendment. And sadly, we had the First Amendment. We still have the First Amendment. It is just lessened by the Democrats. And so they were. They spent this hearing, the Democrats did, attacking Schellenberger and Taibbi for reporting on these efforts. And it was no big deal. All they're trying to do is stop dis- and misinformation. Whereas if you said, hey, you know what? There's a scientific reality. If you've got a penis, you're a boy. If you've got a vagina, you're a girl. And anything to the contrary is mis- or disinformation. And we're going to stifle it. Why they would absolutely soil their trousers over the prospect, and de- they'd pick up torches and demand, demand satisfaction that 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 be stopped. Because it's and it is it's disinformation to say that a woman can be a man, and that a man can be a woman. It's a lie. But they do it routinely. They're not interested in mis- or disinformation. They're interested in only information they want people to have, true or not, getting out there, and nothing else, period, end of story. So that brings us just to this one little bit from Debbie, uh, as I affectionately call her, Debbie Washer Hair Schultz. I don't know what the hell, if you've ever seen a dirty mop that has been sitting in the corner of a garage standing on its stick for too long, that's what Debbie Washer Hair Schultz hair looks like. It always reminded me of that. I've done my share of mopping with the bucket and everything, the long white strands. And you let that thing get encrusted and dried out. That's her hairdo. I don't understand it. There's technology to take care of that. It, you don't have to get the creatine or whatever it's called, the uh, straightening of it. You could just wash it. You know, shampoo is not new. But she chooses to ignore that just like she chooses to ignore the reality. And this clip demonstrates, and there are a bunch of clips that I could have used to demonstrate how these members of Congress are not, in fact, involved with the day-to-day. They don't know what they're talking about. They have staff. You'd be horrified if you knew how much of our Congress is run by 22- to 25-year-olds, staffers. Oh, the chief of staff might be in their 40s. But the people who inform the chief of staff are 22 to 25 years old. They know nothing. History began yesterday. And they do a quick Google search and they find something on Wikipedia and they go, well, this is how it is. They dug up something on Matt Taibbi that he'd said on the Joe Rogan podcast. What they didn't do, Debbie Washer, Herr Schultz's staff, they didn't do anything like 
I don't know, discovered the context in which it was said. They didn't discover that he was actually quoting somebody else. Debbie Washer Hare Schultz decides to highlight that and try and use it as some sort of gotcha against Matt Taibbi, who's a big lib, by the way, spent decades at Rolling Stone. Big lefty. He just happens to believe in freedom of speech. And uh, he's been demonized and excommunicated from the left. And uh, Matt Taibbi then gets a chance to explain. Listen to this. There's two clips in one here. Before you became Elon Musk's hand-picked journalist, so, and pardon the oxymoron, you stated this on Joe Rogan's podcast about being spoon-fed information, and I quote, I think that's true of any kind of journalism, and you'll see it behind me here. I think that's true of any kind of journalism. Once you start getting handed things, then you've lost. They have you at that point, and you've got to get out of that habit. You just can't cross that line. Do you still believe what you told Mr. Rogan? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Good. Uh, Mr. Taibbi, uh, would you care to... I'm down here on this end, sir. Uh, I'm, uh, would you care to respond to the attack on your ethics? You weren't given really an opportunity to answer. And if you'd be brief, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to ask you as well. Sure, just quickly, the, the, that moment on the Joe Rogan show, I was actually recounting a section from Seymour Hersh's book, Reporter, where he described a scene where the CIA gave him a story, and he was very uncomfortable. Uh, he said that I, who had always gotten the secrets, was being handed the secrets. It, look, again, I've done lots of whistleblower stories. There's always a balancing test that you make when you're given material and you're always balancing newsworthiness versus the motives of your sources. In this case, the newsworthiness clearly outweighed any other considerations, and I think everybody else who worked on the project agreed. If Debbie Washer Hare Schultz were a decent human being and uh, a knowledgeable, knowledgeable person, smart person, she would have demanded to know the context. Hey, this quote's too perfect. What's the context in which it said? But she doesn't care. She didn't give a damn. She didn't stick around for any other questioning. She left the room as quickly as possible, just like every other Democrat in that hearing. They weren't interested in responses. These Democrats have become Nazis. They honestly, to God, are not Nazis. In fact, they're rounding up people, at least not yet. They are fascistic. They do not want, maybe you don't want to call them Nazis, maybe you want to call them fascists from Italy under Mussolini. Whatever you want to call them, they are not interested in what anybody has to say. They are not interested in the side, they have no principles whatsoever. There isn't a single Democrat on this committee, there isn't a single Democrat in the House of Representatives or the United States Senate who looks at the government, government officials actively trying to silence Americans because they don't like their opinions and said, that's a bad thing. People, we have to get to the bottom of this. None of them. Not a one of them have done that. It's all, you're, uh, you're Elon Musk's puppet. You're Elon Musk's puppet. Okay, well, that's really constructive. All right. Then you run out and tell Manu Raju, who is the Democratic Party's puppet, about how you're speaking truth to power or something by pummeling some independent journalists. It's so pathetic. Speaking of pathetic... We'll end on this, Kamala Harris, too. Give Kamala Harris an AOC. Kamala Harris, they always have these, you know, these Democrats have these conversations that are just perfect. You see it all the time on Twitter. You see it less now, but you see it all the time. Uh, talking to my five-year-old, and they were wondering why it was that Governor Ron DeSantis hates trans people so much. Really? Your five-year-old is asking this question? I don't believe that for a second. I found my three-year-old crying because the climate crisis. Really? If it's true, you're an abusive parent. 
Well, uh, Kamala Harris had a conversation with a lefty, allegedly, we don't know who it is, that demonstrates the neuroses of the left. She thinks this makes the left look good. I mean, one of the young leaders was talking to me about climate mental health. I said, tell me what's going on with your peers. Climate mental health. And she talked, I said, I think I understand that, but unpack it for me. And she talked about how her peers are thinking about it. One example is, you know, whether when they're ready, could they start a family? Worried about what that would mean. And the stress of it. They were talking about it in terms of their peers trying to figure out, you know, they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to make a living, but what can they do and how can they adapt the education that they're having now to their activism? Yeah, they're active. Don't ever lose the activism. You should always seek parenting advice from a childless woman in her 60s, right? Isn't that the best? Well, maybe the young leader that she was talking to was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It is going to be a disaster if we don't turn the ship around. And so it's basically like there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should, is it okay to still have children? And I mean, not just financially, because people are graduating with twenty, thirty, a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt, and so they can't even afford to have kids in a house. But also, just this basic moral question: like, what do we do? And and even if you don't have kids, there are still children here in the world, and we have a moral obligation to them uh, to live a better world for them. And this idea that if we just, you know. I've been working on this for X amount of years. Um, it's like not good enough. Like we need a universal sense of urgency and people are trying to like introduce watered down proposals that are frankly going to kill us. AOC, the soothsayer of the Democratic Party. Is it moral to have children? For you, no. Please don't reproduce. For the love of God, don't reproduce. All right, so that's about enough for today, ladies and gentlemen. I've had enough. I hope you've had enough. I hope you've had your fill in any event. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. Oh, yes, the contest winners. And this week's contest. The winner is, I don't know that, I don't think I'm pronouncing this right. Chris Shrek. It's not spelled like Shrek. Maybe it's not Shrek. It should be. But anyway, Chris, congratulations. You've got a message from me if you haven't already responded saying that you have won the book you chose. And the book you chose is Flyover Nation by Dana Lash. So send me your address, and I will send you the book. I'll get to the last couple winners I haven't gotten to the post office for various reasons that you might be aware of. So check that out, and you'll be getting the books will go out this week for those of you waiting. Sorry about the delay. That means... That Governor Christy Nome, not my first rodeo, autographed is coming back. And since who doesn't like the thought of uh, some hot chick on chick action? God, I'm a terrible person. I'm the father of two daughters, and I just made that joke. But anyway, this week it's Governor Christy Nome versus the book Women Who Work. Rewriting the Rules for Success by none other than Ivanka Trump. That's right. Autographed by 
Ivanka Trump. And I tell you, I met Ivanka Trump once in person at an event. It was a... Um, it was right after Trump announced he was running. It was the week after, back 2015, at the Maryland State GOP. It wasn't convention. It was like annual dinner or something. I don't know what the hell it was. But that's where I met Trump the first time, too, and got his autograph on a couple of books, one of which I already gave away. And Ivanka came with him. And she's definitely, you look at her, she's beautiful. There's no doubt about that. But you don't go, my God, she's the most beautiful woman in the world, just physically. But she is very beautiful, but it's it's when she's in a room, she gets all the attention because of her poise, because of the way she carries herself. It's different. Ladies and gentlemen, it really does matter how you carry yourself. If you're out there and you're young and you're trying to make it in business, try and make it in the world of anything, whatever it is, learn to carry yourself with poise and grace. Grace is, you know, has many different meanings but carrying yourself presenting yourself don't walk around like a d-bag but carry yourself with a confidence and a and a poise that uh, you have to work at and people will notice people will kind of flock to you and that's what she, she just looked at her and she was more the way she was beautiful like i said but the way she carried herself was like you couldn't take your eyes off of it Anyway, so it's Ivanka Trump versus Christy Gnome. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Sign up to enter to win an autographed book from one of those two. You know the rules. If not, it's pretty self-explanatory on the site. Appreciate the support. Have a good Monday. And hopefully we'll get to the weekend as quickly as possible.